And if you really sit with yourself, if you really let yourself have a moment of honesty and truth, you will know very quickly what things are blocking that channel. Like I believe that women have wisdom in their body and that every single thing that they need to become well is already within them. But it's purifying the channels that have been perhaps blocked by certain experiences like trauma or other habits that have sort of suppressed our knowing and aligning ourselves with that truth that lives inside of us that is going to guide us towards the path forward. Hi friends, welcome to the Medicine Stories podcast where we are remembering what it is to be human upon the earth. I am Amber Magnolia Hill. This is episode 100 with Nisia Nelson. I love this conversation. I have been so profoundly changed since I interviewed Nisia a few days ago and will absolutely be working with her, be sticking around her online realm far, far into the future. Before we get into it, I want to let you know that I'm planning an upcoming retreat. I got contacted by this really cool company called Trova Trip, and they they handle all aspects of planning retreats for folks. It just makes it so easy. I've thought about it before, but was always like, <laughs> the logistics of that seem so crazy for me. So right now for the next week, I'm going to have a link in the show notes for a survey. So where we go and what we focus on will be shaped largely by the feedback that this survey generates. So if you think you might be interested in doing that sometime probably later 2023, and then I'd love to do more in the future if it goes well, please click that link in the show notes and fill out the survey. It takes less than 10 minutes. Um, I'll take it out of the show notes once the week is up and the survey has completed. And then in the future, I'll be sharing about where we're going and what we're doing. You know, I would love to return to the places I visited in the British Isles last year. Love the idea of more Neolithic site visiting if possible. And I'm also very open to going elsewhere. There's, you know, there's options all over the world. But if it were to be a plant, an herbal-based trip, then I am more familiar with the plants in that area. We'd also have a guide on the ground, a guide from the area to be with us the whole time. So if we went somewhere where the plants were mostly unknown to me, hopefully we would have someone knowledgeable with us. So Nisia Nelson is a mother, teacher, and steward of the feminine frequency that rests in the female physiology. She chaperones women back to their true nature using nutrition, somatic healing, remineralization, that's such a fun word, remineralization, and the wisdom of their own bodies. Nisia believes that robust fertility, abundant energy, and embracing of motherhood are all birthrights for every woman. That belief shepherded her through her own dance with burnout, diet culture, and complex PTSD, 
and landed her in her body for the first time in her adult life. Since then, she has dedicated her time to understanding how our relationship with nature and food influences and directs our psychology and perception of the world around us. Nisia's offerings are a rare pairing of psychotherapy and bioenergetics, drawing on both her diverse professional background and her eternal studies at the feet of the universe. If you haven't listened to episode 87 with Kimber Malden, Elemental Interbeing, Food Information Overwhelm, and Cell Deep Nourishment for Women, you might want to listen first or after. It's as good an introduction as I could conjure in podcast form to bioenergetic or pro-metabolic nutrition. And I loved, loved learning about that about a year ago at this time. And it has changed my life for the better to understand this framework of nourishment. And I'm so grateful for how Nisia brings my understanding of that down into the body, as I express numerous times in this interview. There are a number of Patreon bonuses for patrons of the podcast at patreon.com slash medicine stories. The first is an extended conversation, a bonus recording of Nisia and I talking, which I have titled Orienting Our Lives to Nourish Our Children's Children's Children. We talk about restrictive eating and purifying the channel of lack and the role of fathers and absent fathers in women's restrictive eating, fullness and deservedness, the transformational nature of ritual family living versus endless self-focused inner work, um, how we are in a time of cultural repair and how the seeking that comes with poor metabolic health, like the constant new information seeking, leads to decision fatigue. And we kind of tie in testing and supplements and like food choices into that. That's Those are very poor descriptions of the depth and beauty of that bonus conversation. I was, my mind was just blown re-listening to both of these conversations to, to prepare for writing this intro out. There are also, Nisia has two programs coming up. One is called Maternal. And if you listen after the end of the interview, I will give you a $100 off coupon code to Maternal. And right now you might be thinking, what is that? Or I know I have no interest in that, but your mind definitely might change as you listen to this episode. It is not just for mothers. You know, and I'm just going to read the description of maternal to you. To claim motherhood in the modern age is asking more from women than ever before. Perhaps you know there is a version of mother or motherhood that is meant for you, but you can't quite find the path to get there, and you don't know where to start. Or maybe deep down you know you want children, but you aren't sure how to step into that experience without fear, challenge, or even grief. Or maybe you aren't mothering yourself well and are holding tightly onto your own lack of nourishment in your childhood. There are many reasons that we cannot fully step into our power and potential in mothering. Trauma, lack of community, resources, improper nourishment, and lack of example can all play a role. Together, we will open the door to a deep uncovering of what stands in the way so you can step into yourself more fully. 
weekly live calls with Nisia, an online community for discussion, written resources, and Q&A opportunities, and much more await. Maternal begins on the new moon of February 20th and runs for 11 weeks. So again, at the end of this episode, after the interview, I will give you a $100 off coupon code if you would like to join Nisia for maternal. And then on Patreon, in a couple months, I'm going to be posting a coupon code just for patrons for $111 off another upcoming program called Eat to Go Deep. So Eat to Go Deep will release in spring or early summer. I will definitely be there. (laughs) And the description of that is, every human being is born into a body which becomes their physical house for the rest of their life. If we want to grow into our potential, we must tend to our house at the roots. Eat to Go Deep is a self-paced nutrition and physiology course that guides you to prepare your body and mind to receive deeper threads of expansion, whether that is spiritual work, nervous system repatterning, womb work, unwinding of complex trauma, or even receiving abundance. We touch on everything from minerals to eating for your latitude and why that matters for all forms of spiritual work to what nervous system practices are appropriate for what bioenergetic patterns hormonal imbalances, etc., to how food changes your psychology, and so much more. Also featured are incredible guest teachers who collaborate with me on live interviews and explorative content. Eat to Go Deep is the course I needed during my biggest transformations but couldn't find, and it ties together the most important aspects of my work, food, energy, nature, psychology, and bioenergetics. So again, when that releases in late spring or early summer, I will be posting a coupon code only to patrons at patreon.com slash medicine stories. I have also recorded a short 18 minute, I think, audio of just me talking about my experience of motherhood and nourishment and moments of repair that I've had with my family lately and moments of time slowing down and sensory gating channels opening when I'm really nourishing my cells, focusing on bioenergetic wellness, and you know, just sort of a further expansion of my ongoing story <laughs> with food, life, and motherhood that I have been sharing there on Patreon for years. So thank you so much. Those are all available at the $5 a month level. I'm so grateful, so grateful for my patrons, so grateful for this podcast. I love doing it. And here we are at episode 100. It's so exciting and heartening to have found an audience that appreciates this work. And I could not be more honored to bring Nisia to your consciousness if she's not already. I can't wait to hear from people about this one. I just, I know it's going to hit so many folks so deep. And we're still having some internet issues with our new home and Starlink. So there's a few moments where you might miss a word or two, but no more than that. So it really, it's not too bad. Okay, listen to the end for the coupon code for maternal. Check out Patreon for some really lovely bonuses and take a deep breath and prepare yourself to receive this beautiful wisdom. 
Nisia, welcome. It's such an honor to have you here. Your words on Instagram have really slowed me down and dropped me into embodiment in a way that I need, that I'm always looking for, that comes up over and over again on this podcast as something that so many modern people need as well. And I thought we could start by having you read these beautiful words that you had shared on Instagram recently. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here. And I love that you said slow, because that has been the antidote in my life in the past five years. And it has been my primary medicine. So my hope is to share that with women all over the world. And my wish is that that is what they would receive from being anywhere near me or connecting with my words. So thank you so much for that reflection. And I would love to read um, the passage. So I wrote this as a encapsulation of my work. And it says, inside of you is an infinite source of power, creativity, and joy that is as vast as the universe. Accessing this infinite source simply requires a coming home to yourself. Despite what you may have been told, this is available to you at any moment. There are new frequencies and timelines that are stretching their arms open, just waiting to receive you. There are things that are just for you and only for you that you cannot even imagine in your wildest dreams. The space that you are creating by preparing your body, your vessel, to receive your life is the most important work on earth. May this be the year of your heart's desire. May this be the year of your freedom of spirit. And may this be the year that you welcome all of yourself home. I'm so looking forward to talking about how all of that ties into nourishment and metabolic well-being, the metabolic state that we are in and how it directs how we experience each moment of our lives. And I want to begin with a story that you mentioned to me beforehand that you haven't shared publicly before that I was very curious about and that will give me and our listeners a little more insight into you. So before I begin sharing this story, what I would like to invite anyone who is listening to this and the rest of the time that we're speaking with each other to do is to listen with your body. And that feels really important and integral to the experience of receiving feminine wisdom for me. I know when I listen to women that I look up to, when I listen with my body, I'm open to receiving. When I listen with my mental gates or through the mental gates, sometimes I don't really receive the medicine. And so I want to invite you to listen to this story and the rest of the words that we share just with your whole felt sense in your system. And this story really gives some history and context to how I ended up here. And you mentioned the word medicine stories. This has been my medicine 
And I have been able to traverse a large trauma in a way that has returned me to myself. And that is the skeleton key to gratitude for me. So when I am able to receive the medicine of my whole life, the ups, the downs, and the in-betweens, as part of returning me to myself, then every single thing that I connect with in the world, whether it be viewed as positive or negative, is uh, like a cosmic orchestration to support my path and my dharma, my destiny. So this is where I've landed with this story. And if you're listening, you know, I've come to a very safe place where I can share this from a place of true and deep gratitude. And as you know, I spent many years in the psychotherapy and the somatic therapy world. And that whole journey and traversing through academia and the related fields was very, very monumental for me. And I wouldn't change it for the world. But there really was a piece missing for me, a very big piece of understanding where there was just loops in my body and things that would come up for me and states I would end up in that really made no sense given the depths of work that I've gone through in my life. And so I wasn't sure where to go with my practice or what was happening. And one Halloween evening, I was basically approached in a very aggressive manner by a woman who said that she had a weapon. Uh, She sought me out from across the room. This was a random assault. Uh, She came right towards me and had me pinned up against a wall. And she threatened to take my life. And of course, I had a few moments of paralyzing fear. Um, I was trapped on a ship with quite a few people. So of course, there was like a personal fear and a collective fear that were very present for me simultaneously. There was children in the room and I froze. And thanks to my history and my longstanding, I'd say like just sitting in the mud of somatic work, I knew enough that I was able to eventually push this person off of me. Uh, who then chased me. And it wasn't until I came to a safe space that I was able to get away from her in the practical sense. But that attack affected me in a myriad of ways psychologically, where I could not get space from her emotionally, somatically, psychically, for a couple of years. And I went into a severe shutdown state where I experienced CPTSD. Uh, I was incredibly jumpy. I could not work. I could not function. My memory suffered. My parenting suffered. And I'm so lucky to have been cared for diligently and kindly by my wonderful husband. But it really thrust me into a place of wondering, you know, what is the key to healing around trauma, PTSD, 
childhood experiences, and I had a dark night of the soul. And food and nutrition is what pulled me out. So it's what steered me into a deep dive into nourishment and looking at all the ways that I had not been nourishing myself on a fundamental level. And I was diagnosed with ADHD after that accident. I had all the symptoms of it. And I'm really happy to say that today I have zero symptoms of ADHD, PTSD, or any other clinical manifestations. And I really do attribute that to learning to inhabit my body. And so that has been my the summary of my journey of healing. And I, I will never forget the moment that I realized that this woman who targeted me had basically given me a turning point in my life. She had delivered my necessary medicine to me. And that I've, I've talked to some people about that who think that's just insane. Like They just can't wrap their head around why I would be grateful to this person. I really do count her in my prayers when I, and I take the responsibility of needing such a wake up call firmly on my own shoulders. And in that way, I can claim my power. And in that way, I can access that gratitude. So that's what's landed me in the field of nutrition, because it is so deeply personal and has impacted me in such a profound way. I couldn't imagine my practice or my life, my personal life, my work life without that event. I've done a couple metabolic episodes. I've been on my own path with this way of eating for almost a year now. But finding you, it's you just bring such such a depth of perspective to nourishment that is really like I said, I just I need it. I need it. Like I am drinking in your words. And what I've most walked away with from your posts is the idea that metabolism drives our perception of the moment. It has everything to do with how embodied we're able to be and what the state of our nervous system looks like. How our state of nourishment is like a gatekeeper to how we perceive each moment of our life. It's so true once once I think about it in those terms and I think about how inflamed everyone seems to be these days, how agitated and reactive, stressed out, perceiving time as their enemy. And I just appreciate your invitation to to step into something different and i'm i'm really especially interested in this perception of time and how that can mm-hmm. change when we're in a hypometabolic state versus a fully nourished happy <laughs> regular metabolic state absolutely i had a moment this morning in the kitchen with my daughter something that may sound really silly but was so big for me is I don't think I ever could take in jokes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And when you look at that on a deeper level, it's just being able to expand into humor or joy, seep into all the corners of that emotion. And it's safe to do that. And so often I would notice in my 20s, if somebody made a joke, especially if it was a child or there was like some playfulness involved, I would slip into wanting the moment to end and so we could get on to the next thing. And that was a very felt thing for me. It was not not conscious. And I used to just say, well, I don't like jokes. <laughs> this morning, my daughter made the silliest joke about one of our dogs. And I just watched her laugh and she laughed in slow motion. <laughs> I watched all the corners of her face go up and it just almost brought me to tears because I could see her animating this joy. And then I was able to animate the joy. And what I noticed is that the moment was just stretched. It was stretched and stretched and stretched. And it was like time stood still. And we were like exchanging this joy in a liminal space. And then it just erupted into a cacophony of laughter. And moments like that were never accessible to me. That's something that no amount of money can buy you. It's not something that you can walk into a store and get off the shelf. It's not something that you can skip over. It's a byproduct of your commitment to yourself, of your devotion to yourself. And I have women in my programs and in my private work that wake up this way. And it is like this, the sweetest thing I have ever seen is just to, to hear a mother, especially say, I just received this moment fully for the first time. And they know if you're a mother, you'll know when that moment is, you'll go, oh my God, it just happened. I just was in full receiving. Like I could not be taking in more of this moment. And for me as a mother, that's what I want for my time with my child, as you might feel very empathetic towards, like I'm really conscious of there's only a couple of years left where she could be in my home. Mm -hmm. And I just want time to stand still. So my commitment to myself in a metabolic way is really just my commitment also to like expanding and extending the imprint of mother that she receives in her lineage, because a lot of my history in my twenties, she, she's so sweet. She'll say, you've always been a wonderful mother. And that just like, it breaks my heart. And it also touches me so deeply because I know how imperfect I have been. And she just doesn't see me that way. And I am so grateful for her lens of love but I want to continually do right and better by her and to expand the years where I know she's getting this fullness of me. So nutrition and not just nutrition itself you're talking about, but receiving nutrition. I'm not just talking about nutrition from food. Like I have a whole segment in my upcoming course on emotional nutrients and those are the most important nutrients that we pass on to our children. So I want to nourish my daughter through nourishing myself for as long as I can. And that has really what has transformed my ability to parent, but also to relate to the world 
around me is the ability to take things in in a very specific way. It reminds me, a, a friend of mine recently was saying she's that before motherhood, she was always told that she's so easygoing and laid back. And, and now she's never told that and she doesn't feel like that anymore. And, and I resonated because same, you know, people are always like, Amber, you're so chill. You're so easy to be around. And now I'm like, I feel, I don't feel that way anymore. And people never say that to me anymore. <laughs> Um, and my, my husband recently lovingly said to me something along the lines of like, you're never playful. Mm. And, you know, my first thought is like, well, of course not. I'm like managing the business and like the whole family schedule and all the housework. And like, I have a thousand things to do. Of course I'm like, you know, but then of course it like breaks my heart. Cause I don't want to be not playful. And I know so many moms feel the same way. Like, I see, I see it come up a lot, this guilt around not being able to meet their children in play the way that they would like to be able to. But it is this complete like crushing overwhelm of modern motherhood coupled with lack of nutrients, lack of, and I want to so, so badly want to talk more about the way we take in nutrients, not just the nutrients we take in. But I can just imagine that this is hitting home for so many mothers who are listening. Absolutely. And I think when you're talking about that, what's really coming to the forefront for me is that desire as a feminine frequency is the leading thing that we need to learn to trust. So when you asked me to read that passage and it talks about this is the year to come home to yourself can you feel it even in the interviews that you've done this year and in what's happening in the online space? Like this is the year to return the mother to herself. Like when I say that, can you feel that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can feel it. It's everywhere. It's like an expansive, big frequency that is led by feminine desire to inhabit more of who we are and to stop withholding ourselves from ourselves. And so your desire to be more playful, to be in the moment more, if we can trust that desire wholeheartedly, and we trust it more than the circumstances that we see in our world right now, we align ourselves with a future version of ourselves in that moment. And that's hard for women because trusting mystery is difficult. It's the opposite of what the societal construct has taught us through the means of academia and all other ways our society is structured. We have not valued mystery. And I actually, I have a theory about why women sometimes experience a lot of autoimmune and other mysterious illnesses. I think there's a very sort of unconscious undercurrent where women really do have an alignment with mystery that needs to be brought to the surface and embodied more. So when we say, I want to trust that thing that I know is for me, I know it's for me to have this experience of motherhood that's more peaceful, 
that takes me into another place in myself that I never knew existed. The more we can align ourselves with that version that's forward, the more that we will have access to the path to get there. And it's not, this is God's work. It's, it's not small work. <laughs> it's not, uh, it's not for the faint of heart and it's not for everyone. But the women who are listening to this and women like you, who you're like, yeah, that I can feel that I can feel it in my bones. It's for me. It's for me in this lifetime. Like we have a duty and responsibility to each other and ourselves to steward that frequency and to guide each other home. And it's not easy, but I truly believe that this is the year where a lot of women will be able to access that path. Yeah. I mean, eating for bioenergetic and metabolic and female health is a conversation that I have with so many women in my life constantly. It it seems to me like, you know, sort of the uh, scientific biological um, reality of of needing to eat for our metabolism sort of crested into the public consciousness within the last couple of years. And that's great. I'm so, so grateful, you know, after decades and decades of, of diet culture and disordered eating and restrictive eating that almost every adult woman I think has some experience with. But all of that for me at least has been very mindsy, very mind-based, very rational and um, like, okay, here's the lists of the best foods and the lists of the not so great foods and lifestyle choices I can and cannot be making. Um, I guess I'm just saying for the third time that <laughs> I'm grateful for your more embodied and like deeper approach. And I absolutely loved seeing you talk about Aldous Huxley's theory of the reducing valve that he wrote about in his book, The Doors of Perception, which I read when I was 19 and totally helped me make sense of a huge psilocybin experience I'd had when I was 16 that I had no frame of reference for at the time. And then I read that book and what Huxley was describing was like exactly what I had experienced and that he was framing it in this expansive and spiritual growth type of way was, it just meant so much to me at the time. But I also never forgot his idea of the reducing valve in the brain. And the more I learned about psychedelic and just other expansive states of mind going forward, I always went back to that's Huxley's reducing valve. And so, you know, sort of a maybe more modern way of saying this, a phrase that I learned from Stephen Buhner is um, sensory gating channels. And what you have made me realize is that true nourishment at the cellular level expands our sensory gating channels, which is why people in a healthy metabolic state have a different, more relaxed perception of time. And I, I saw a post you did that said, unless you eat enough, you cannot allow yourself to be penetrated by life. So we're just, we're talking about presence, right? We're talking about presence. Absolutely. And we're talking about receptivity mm -hmm. and the prerequisites to 
receptivity. I often lead women through a very simple exercise where they are asked the question, what would it look like for you to receive your life? What is your posture like? How do you be? How do you carry yourself? What are you doing? You know, and so when we talk about the reducing valve, which I'm, it's so great to meet somebody who understands and has time with that concept. And it's so interesting that that was such an early thing for you to come across his writing and connect that as a guide to big experience that you had, because we need those things to make sense of what has happened to us when the perception has been widened really quickly. I have a theory that that's what happens in pregnancy. I don't know if you experienced the end of pregnancy as really long. Oh, endless. <laughs> endless, yeah. Like it's a time expander when you have a lot of progesterone in your system. And when you give birth, suddenly your hormones drop quite drastically and that progesterone isn't present anymore. And I think sometimes that contributes alongside other situational things to women having a real narrowing of the perception of what's going on around them. And rightfully so, because they're caring for an infant and they need to be very attuned and focused to that person who is a part of them still that's right next to them. But I think in the modern world, because there's a lack of support and proper physiological care, sometimes that combined with the hormonal drop and all the nutrient deficiencies can come together in a perfect storm to narrow a woman's window enough that she can't perceive the goodness. And that sort of underpins the whole mothering experience that then continues on and into the future. So for me, the reclamation of eating is one part of that. And I want to be really clear that I feel it's just one part. I choose to highlight that a lot on my in my public writing because that's my particular medicine in this lifetime. But I call it the maternal trinity, mind, body, spirit, and all of those things are important. And I think we've just really neglected the body part. Um, our ancestors, especially like our parents and grandparents, were very much living in the lower centers. So they didn't have necessarily less trauma or difficulty in their lives. In fact, a lot of them had more intergenerational trauma that was passed down because of unconscious parenting experiences, uh, neglect and other things like that. And they also had things like famine and war and other very situational aspects that they dealt with in their lifetime. But they didn't necessarily have the expansion of consciousness to make sense of that that came after the 60s and 70s. So now we are up in the higher centers of experience, and we are really analyzing and looking at what facets of our life are present. You know, my history, my childhood, how this trauma is impacting me, the state of my nervous system. And we're living in the upper chakras a lot and self-reflecting. And that's wonderful. And it can bring a lot to a human being. But I think what eating does is asks us to come back into the lower centers, which address survival. And then hopefully what we can do is reach a hand up and down and join those things together by attending to the body as the vessel. 
It's just like you couldn't ask somebody to heal while they're living in a moldy environment. And in the same way, you need to address the mind, the body, and the spirit in order to heal the trinity in a mother or a woman. And so I think the nutrient part of that and the way we take in nourishment of food is integral to then supporting and creating a new structure and environment for everything else to bloom and change. So it's not that it's the only thing, but it's foundational and it allows us to hold and sort of like carry and keep those changes that we bring in through our consciousness and to marry them with something real and tangible in our system. I would love to talk more about progesterone and sort of the hormonal dance inside women. I I want to understand it more. I hear a lot of really beautiful, fascinating things about progesterone. It's interesting to think about that being so highly concentrated in the body at the end of pregnancy when that, I mean, that really is an altered state of mind. I don't have any understanding myself, so I don't necessarily have a a question to formulate, but you know what? I did write down some of your words. I, I think I'll read those and then we can go from there. The quality of your felt experience depends on the depth of embodiment you bring to everything you know and learn. In states of hormonal imbalance, you may find you seek outside yourself for the provision of safety, validation, or healing. Estrogen in particular, when not balanced with progesterone, can create a grasping quality in the psyche. And the dependence on cortisol for fuel has a tendency to thrust a woman into dramatic highs and lows, where the focus is always on reactive repairing of situations instead of proactive healing and preparing. To bring our bodies and minds into homeostasis requires that we really feel ourselves from the bottom up. To land in our bodies for the first time requires taking responsibility for everything. From here, instead of waiting for the external gift, we become it. I just love how you, like, that could have just been a simple post about progesterone and estrogen, but you just expand it into, in such beautiful ways. But yeah, please, please help me better understand progesterone and estrogen and what they are doing in the body and what, what balance we want there and how we can bring that about. You read that in such a beautiful way. And it brings me so much joy in that way, because there is such a push to information on the internet. And from a Chinese medical perspective, I know I have a friend who talks to me a lot, who's a TCM practitioner about just what happens to us in the spleen when we constantly are taking in too much information. It's very unnatural for us. So my hope is to be able to illuminate some of the more embodied parts of these pieces of structure or information so that women can take them in by means of art or poetry or ways that are soothing to our system and not just factual pieces of data that we have to memorize or turn into rules to live by. And you mentioned that already, that sometimes it just feels like when you're making nourishment and health into a checklist and you're making it into something that you have to do or perform 
that it can just add another stress. And the last thing that women need right now is something else to be stressed about. (laughs) So my hope is to turn those things into art or other sensorial experiences so that women can receive them. And the wisdom, you don't always need to receive wisdom in the form of data or facts. You can receive it by means of a look or a hug or even just a quality of energy or perhaps a, a photo or or a poem. So thank you for receiving that in the way that it's intended and highlighting how it comes across to you. And I think to make it really simple and not to overcomplicate the hormonal cascade that happens in a woman's body, it might be really great to think about rhythm. So if you are you know, doing a beautiful ballet, if you're jerking your limbs around in a really awkward and difficult manner, and you are not moving in a fluid sense, the way that that dance impacts the world around you is going to be a lot less calming and soothing than if everything is moving, you know, in a streamlined and and sort of fluid manner. And the same goes with our hormones. So what you really want is the dance of expansion and holding, expansion and holding. And if you think about what you might want from the world or from a masculine partner or and so on and so forth, that's sort of as a woman what we want from everything. You know, we we want to be able to be held and then open, be held and open just like a flower is given the structure to then animate into its full potential. And so when we see hormonal imbalances happening, sometimes it can be because there is a stuckness happening in one state. So estrogen is coming up either because of exogenous sources like plastics or living in a city environment or working with, let's say, BPA receipts in a grocery store. There are many, many reasons that women can be taking in exogenous estrogens, even the products that we use, or they have something happening in their microbiome. Perhaps they are not eating great quality food, or even if they are, they are dealing with years of recovering from antibiotic use or other things, and even sharing the microbiome with the people that you live with. So you share a microbiome with the human beings that you spend the most time with. And when I learned that, I was floored because it kind of confirmed what I knew about our responsibility to each other. And it makes our household into an ecosystem, which feels so true to me. So sometimes the ecosystem that you're sharing is perhaps not supported by things like adequate sunlight, time in nature, putting your hands in the soil, hugging each other. You know, there can be so many things that can support a robust uh, microbiome for yourself and the people that you spend time with. So all of those things can contribute to perhaps you having like too much of a rise in estrogen or a rise at the inappropriate time for it to feel well supported. And when that happens, if there is not enough progesterone that comes into play in the luteal phase, and they're even proving now that that happens sooner, like right before ovulation, then we are not able to properly move the energy or the basic structure of that hormone out of our bodies. And and this is very simplified. There are many, many things that contribute to 
an estrogen predominant state or a progesterone deficiency state. And so I don't want to reduce it to just X, Y, and Z, but the simplified part of it is that there is an imbalance happening. And so if there isn't that holding or support happening, then there are a lot of other systems in the body that get impacted. The gut health gets impacted. Your ability to detox gets impacted. Your ability to feel emotionally well can be deeply impacted. And unfortunately for many women, that's a cascade and continues to get worse and worse. Estrogen sort of has that self-proliferation quality to it where more estrogen predominance spurs on more estrogen predominance. And so we have a lot of women living with that reality in their lives. And so what does that really look like in a practical sense? Well, it looks like us having to address the ecosystem on all levels. And I personally want to do that so that I can have a better perspective of the world around me. That's my primary motivator. And it's the motivator that I feel speaks to the medicine that most women need. They don't just want to feel well in their body, but they want to feel well and connected with their environment around them. And that's a byproduct of bringing things into harmony. So I think that although the science is really important, understanding the dance of rhythm and being able to hold the rise and fall in our bodies. Like if you've ever done a urine test or any type of other hormonal profile over a month, you'll watch this beautiful wave of estrogen just coming up, 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 up. And it's actually trying to mature an egg. So it's saying, grow, 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 grow. And then what grows has to continue to be supported. And that's really what the goal of balancing your hormones is. So I don't know how much that speaks to what your inquiry is, but you can tell me if you want any other areas expanded on, or if there's something else that's popping up into your consciousness about progesterone, I could speak for hours and hours and hours about hormones. So I'm willing to chat about any points that feel relevant for you. Yeah, I know it's a giant conversation. And I think for any listener who maybe isn't aware and correct me if I'm wrong, but most, many, maybe most women are estrogen dominant and maybe lacking in progesterone and that that has health consequences. And I I see women working in the metabolic space talking about using progesterone creams. I'm curious if you do that, if why we want more progesterone. Um, Like you also, you have this quote from Dr. Ray Pete that says, as I looked at the history of endocrine research, it seemed apparent that progesterone was responsible for many of the biological advantages of females, such as a longer average lifespan. So that's super interesting. Like we all know that women outlive men. And here's Dr. Pete saying that it looks to him like progesterone is the reason for that. And then, you know, going back to progesterone sort of slowing down time and and putting us into an expanded state basically it sounds like to me with more open sensory gating channels yeah like yeah just tell me tell me what you know tell me the secret yeah how do how do i do this in one easy step <laughs> yeah the quick the quick route please it's such a big topic i have never had a client that has enough progesterone I feel in 
their life for it to be adequate. And that could be just the lens that I'm attracting clients through. And I'm I'm willing to acknowledge that I'm sure there are women out there who have enough progesterone circulating through their system, but it seems like more often than not, we have lower progesterone these days because of a lot of environmental factors. And then we also have heightened estrogen because of diet and endocrine disruptors. And so that road to bring those things into balance is not only important, but it's a time extension in its process. And it doesn't happen overnight. And it requires a lot of patience. I see a lot of women start to take progesterone and they come to me after they've started for a few months and they are wondering why it worked in the beginning and it doesn't work now. And that's often because the underlying metabolic state has not been addressed. So you're asking about the use of progesterone cream. And the one thing that I would say about that is it can be beneficial in certain circumstances. And for some women, it can be what I call a little bridge. So sometimes we don't find the answer to something, but we find something that can be a little bridge to help us feel better so that we can access a better on an ongoing basis. Progesterone can be that for some women. It can give you just a little bit of a boost so that you're able to reclaim some of your life. However, it can become a crutch and it can also become something that women rely on as a quick fix. And this is often when you have a lot of heightened estrogen there'll be a sort of driving force towards looking into the future and grasping onto something to fix things right away. Like I want to get towards this thing that will become the thing that solves my problem. So if there's a grasping quality to the use of that helper, metabolic helper, because progesterone is pro-thyroid, so it will speed up the thyroid function in the interim but it doesn't always last long-term if the person isn't eating enough or doing other things to remineralize their body and nourish their metabolism. And if that happens and the woman uses it and it becomes great in the beginning and then starts to degrade their health over time, I would really encourage them to go back to nourishing their metabolism making sure they are number one, eating enough carbohydrate and protein, and then looking at their environment that they live in. You know, are you living in a very stressed out state? Do you have a basic spiritual stress about your life? Because if you have a stress about your life, you're living in the wrong environment, you're in a marriage or partnership that you don't want to be in, or you're doing something else where you're abandoning yourself, no amount of progesterone from a bottle is going to fix that for you. And that's the part where sovereignty comes in. And it's really important for women to look at all areas of their life and ask, am I supporting myself the way I'm asking this supplement, in this case, progesterone to support me? If that makes sense, like you're asking a, a substance to provide support. And it's really important that you are able to support yourself as well. And that you're doing the basic things to meet your own needs and then use that supplement. When you talk about, is it the urine test that you mentioned that the women who work with you are seeing their progesterone levels? Sometimes I use urine. I also use blood 
and I also use saliva mm-hmm. and I would use those in different circumstances. I don't rely heavily on testing, but it is helpful sometimes to track progress or to understand certain questions that somebody may have about their health and well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk more at the end about your offerings and how people can work with you. Because for me now, I want I want to know so much more <laughs> about progesterone and estrogen. And but I, it's just such a huge conversation. And I'm really curious about what you just said about partner choice and and the state of nourishment. It's something we spoke about briefly before recording today. Tell me your thoughts on that. It's such a big topic. (laughs) I don't talk a lot about relationships in my online writings, but it is on my heart for this year to begin to share more about. And it's a huge part of my life. And it's actually one of the things that has transformed in the most beautiful and poignant way after I changed how I was eating. And so I think that. The partner that you choose and the person that is in your life is a representation of how you are nourishing yourself. When we can take responsibility for that, we open huge doors in terms of drawing in and attracting the support that we truly want. And what I see most often is that when women are not fully nourished, and they're not caretaking their body, mind, and spirit, the partners or the people, even friendships that they bring into their life are not necessarily going to nourish them. And I had a long history of this in my own life, bringing in relationships with men who perhaps did not see me and could not provide me with the structure that I was really needing and eating well and eating well in a certain way, bringing in nourishment into my life in a multitude of ways, including taking enough rest for myself and providing those internal structures has allowed me to bring in a marriage that not surprisingly mirrors that inner nourishment. And, you know, if you have a partner that you've been with for a long time, it's not to say that that can't happen and shift and change within your marriage or partnership as it is now. Incredible things can happen when women start eating well. Oh my goodness. I don't know if you've seen that shift in your own relationship or in the relationships and women around you that are nourishing themselves well, but when women take back their need for rest and recovery and rejuvenation, wonderful things happen in their relationships to the masculine in general and the men that are in their lives in my experience. So I don't know if you have an experience of that, but that's certainly been something that has been on my radar radar so much. It makes so much sense. And, you know, one thing, so really changed the way I was eating almost a year ago, but Okay, there've been a lot of positives. Like right now my nails are so long. They're so long and they're so strong and they just keep growing and not breaking. <laughs> like they've <laughs> never been this and I'm like this is amazing. My hair is longer than it's ever been as well. I've been strength training and building muscle which feels so good and just did not feel possible for me before, really. Like I just don't think I had the 
energy to do it. And I feel also not as like nourished as I as I feel when I read your words, as I feel like I could be when I read your words. And for me, the the missing piece is the embodiment and the slowing down and the getting out of my constant intellectualizing. And I had just really come to this place where I understood. So I've had bloating pretty much since my daughter was born six years ago, my youngest. And I've like done all the elimination diets and tracked and what's causing it, what's causing it. And finally, like a month ago, I was like, maybe I'm just not chewing enough. Literally, Mm -hmm. maybe it's just eating too fast in a state of agitation and non-presence. And so I've, it's so hard. Like I'll be near the end of my meal and realize I haven't been doing it mindfully and haven't been chewing enough. And, but most of the time I'm, I'm doing it, I'm dropping in and I don't get bloated when I do that. Like that was it. That's it. It's not gluten or corn or whatever. It's actually chewing enough and being present and slowing down. And right around the time I made that realization, I was tuning into your conversations online about how we eat. And so you write, there's so much conversation in the nutrition and pro-metabolic health space about what foods to consume. What I want to open up to here is that what is consumed is no more important than how it is consumed. If you are eating ancestral foods in the car while rushing yourself through 10 tasks that you should have delegated to other people, thus participating in self-abandonment over and over-functioning, no adrenal cocktail is going to make up for that. Nourishment has to do with how we take something in, the spirit of how we receive. It is how we take in life. True nourishment is a powerful energy that calms, stabilizes, and soothes the nervous system of us and every single being around us. This is available to us from food, but also from every interaction we have with the world. And if we aren't open to receive, we are not open for nourishment. Nourishment is a posture we take in response to life. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> we could just let you're this reading it and I'm going, who wrote that? And I know I, like, oh, I, I wrote that. I've had that experience before too. You're like, yes, this is so good. Oh, so good. Yeah. I said that. Yeah. In my experience, like, so a lot of people, I'm trying to think of how to contextualize this. And, and I really want to put out there that so many of these concepts are so big in my consciousness that trying to put them into words is so hard. (laughs) It's so hard because they feel like total embodied things that almost have are too, are too big for simple words to explain them. They're energetic in nature. And it's a constant birthing process for me to try and contract them down into a set of words that make sense and then deliver them out so that they can be metabolized and received by other people. And But you're so right about the way that taking in things influences in a very simple but profound way what happens when it goes into your system. And when you're talking about chewing more, which is such a simple thing, it's not a complex thing. And what I like about it is it's a biologically true thing, right? You're remembering what is already organic to you and natural. 
this would have been something that your ancestors did a lot more than you did because they lived a less rushed life. And so you're remembering what it is to be in your body. And that simple act creates more homeostasis, not surprisingly. And it's interesting how when we're on the internet and we're taking in all this information, we're making health complex. We're making something as simple as it's really important to chew your food into you must eat X, Y, and Z food in order to be well. And I think that's a symptom of our scattered perception. Like it's a, it's a collective system of metabolic unrest and lack of health. And so simple things like that, like chewing enough with your food, a prayer and ritual at a mealtime, things like being able to go on a long, slow walk after dinner to help with your digestion. These are practical things that we have to change our environment and lifestyle to accommodate but they're actually the doorways to better wellness and embodiment of our vessel. So it doesn't have to be so complicated health, but it does require that you radically open your perception to aligning with the environment that's going to create stability in your body. And if you really sit with yourself, if you really let yourself have a moment of honesty and truth, you will know very quickly what things are blocking that channel. Like I believe that women have wisdom in their body and that every single thing that they need to become well is already within them, but it's purifying the channels that have been perhaps blocked by certain experiences like trauma or other habits that have sort of suppressed our knowing and aligning ourselves with that truth that lives inside of us that is going to guide us towards the path forward. And maybe that looks like changing jobs, working less, choosing to stay home with a child, choosing a different partner, choosing to move somewhere else, choosing to chew your food, choosing to spend two hours in your garden every morning. I don't know what it looks like for each and every woman, but I do know that that wisdom lives inside them. And your example of the chewing is such a profound yet simple example of that. I just, I mean, it, it's really mind blowing, but so simple and really such common sense wisdom to think, okay, if we light a candle and say a prayer of gratitude before each meal, chew thoroughly, then go on a little walk afterwards, what could change? How simple yeah. are those things? And yet how profound. And what happens to you in your system when you create those habits? Because part of health is habitual. Our habits and the things that we do will influence our beliefs and make up our life experience and our environment, our emotional environment that we live in. And so if you are working with a practitioner and doing all the quote unquote right things, eating the right foods, but you are not creating the habits in your environment, in your immediate sphere that support those changes, you will find that it's very difficult to shift some of the most entrenched or underlying patterns in your system. So if you want to unwind something, it has to be supported properly by structure around you. 
Otherwise, there's not enough safety in the female system to be able to really sink into healing. And that's the goal for me, or not the goal, but the that's my wish and hope for myself and every woman that I have a connection with is just that that space and channel of healing would be accessible. But I really think that the body and nourishing the body in a certain way is the prerequisite to that and simplifying that so it doesn't become so complex. It doesn't become this big task list or something that you have to do or perform in order to get to a goal. And once you do perform it or get to the goal, a contradictory piece of information comes to you that sends you into a stress response (laughs) that undoes everything you've, I just love how you said that to um, create safety in the system, to allow space to sink into healing. Yeah. Spaciousness. Women want spaciousness. That's something that I've been hearing from women so much this year. And it's so true for me as well. I want spaciousness to be in my body and to enjoy the things in my life that are in front of me. And I know that food creates spaciousness for me, that the habits around food also create spaciousness. If I'm making time every day to eat a meal in a balanced and open way, that's going to radically shift my perception of myself and time. So it's really, really important to make those small changes in order to sort of drop into the healing that's going to catalyze the bigger changes that you might see as like, I, you know, I healed that abandonment wound or wow, suddenly there's space for me to unwind this huge part of my childhood that I never thought I would be able to access and move on from. Yeah, I've seen you write about that, how really like healing trauma can only happen within a a system that feels safe and that metabolic health is a, a key to creating that safety. Yeah, because when we have a trauma in our system, in our body, and you can read more about this in the book, Waking the Tiger by Peter Levine. Don't know if you've ever read that book, but it's a really great one if you're interested in understanding how trauma lives in your system in a somatic way. But when we've had a big trauma and it's in our system, in order to unwind it in a a way that's lasting and will create stabilized change in somebody's life, it's really important to do it slowly. And so you'll see people come for somatic work and what they want to do is they want to go in fast and hard. So anytime that we feel that we need fast answers, fast transformation, I want this big experience. I want to go and drink ayahuasca and be a completely different person the next day that's a pretty big indicator that stress hormones are running the show, that that's what's driving that desire. So purifying the channel of desire so that it's in alignment with what is right for us means bringing in slowness to the healing experience. And that can actually be painful for some people. I have never seen the amount of resistance to healing that I've seen from women who have a big desire to go in hard and fast, even things like uh, when I was younger, I used to really want 
really, really deep tissue massage. I couldn't be satisfied by gentleness or any type of sort of more feminine style experience. And that's completely changed for me. But you'll see that with big trauma, it wants to unwind itself in this fast, furious and sort of difficult, hard way, or with some sort of big catharsis. And the antidote actually is just slowness, time, and spaciousness that are very, very different than the way that trauma usually happened in the body. Most traumas happen very quickly, or they have peak parts to the event. And so the slowness is the antidote to unwinding that and creating safety in your system in a long-term way. Oh man, that hits. So, you know, I know that so many mothers feel a major lack of spaciousness and feel pretty much constant nervous system overwhelm. And um, just an hour before we spoke, you, you posted something that, oh, I just, I, I know so many people like this. Sometimes the statement, I just think kids should be polite or I just value <laughs> manners really means I just don't have a lot of tolerance in my nervous system for other people's discomfort. It can also mean I just don't have a lot of tolerance for my own discomfort, which takes me into a fight, flight, or freeze response. Thus, I am asking my kids to reparent me through their behaving. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, it penetrates me really deep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just there's nothing more humbling than mothering. And there's nothing that unwinds your perfectionism like mothering. Mm-hmm. Because you can behave in ways like this and your children will love you still. What a gift. What a huge responsibility to step into. And when I hear things like that said back to me, I really realize, you know, what an incredible honor it's my daughter from birth to adulthood and how important it is for me to do that in a way that feels like I'm really wanting to grow my skills as a human being. And yeah, nervous system dysregulation underpins most of mothering. I think it actually seeps into more parenting situations than we would care to know, recognize, or accept. When you're saying that a lot of mothers experience dysregulation on a constant state, I believe you. And I spent 10 years or so of my own parenting experience wrestling with that constant state. So I absolutely have empathy how that can be true and real and something that we also really want to shift. And so my my recommendation to that process, first and foremost, is to get into the desire of who you want to become as a mother, because that desire will inform all the structure that you place around yourself. And like I said before, you know, perhaps this is situational and you've just taken on too much. A lot of women will say, well, I can't take on less. You know, there'll be a lot of um, sort of, I guess I could say statements where women, women or people are victimized by their experience. And that their perception that they've gotten themselves into a situation that they cannot get out of. 
And I understand that, but coming to a place of power and sovereignty around your choices is going to kind of springboard you into being able to choose something different. And that's the beginning of choosing something different for your nervous system. So it just might look like scaling down or back your responsibilities or addressing your own childhood trauma that's driving every single interaction that you're having and giving yourself the spaciousness to do that. Some of that's just letting go of perfectionism. Some mothers are so focused on doing motherhood right that they miss the ability to be with their children. And that can show up as nervous system dysregulation as well and just not being able to really be present with the interactions that actually will be medicinal for you. Like parenting is a spiritual journey. So those things that your children trigger in you actually are portals to a future time and version of yourself if you will go willingly into them. Even things like forgiveness. You know, if you make a repair attempt to a child within 30 minutes, they've proven that it drastically changes the way that's anchored in their brain and body and that they don't hang on to what happens nearly as much. So I I don't know about you, but as a mother, I've always tried to practice learning to apologize Mm -hmm. and say, you know what? I actually am making a big mistake right now because I haven't dealt with some things that I'm still carrying with me. And I really appreciate you being able to tolerate me being human. (laughs) This is maybe like more geared towards a teenager, but thank you for tolerating my humanity. And this is what I'm going to do in order to make it better. And there's versions of that, that you can speak to a toddler and they will understand. I don't know how that shows up in your parenting experience or, you know, how you hold or um, contextualize your nervous system responses to your children. But to me, the part of awareness and acknowledgement is foundational to that. Like just to acknowledge it in your own system and then acknowledge it to your children. I'm feeling so overwhelmed right now. I need to go in the other room for two minutes and sit down. Yeah. Yeah. This, um, the conversation about repair came up two episodes ago, episode 98 with Tava Johnstone. And it's so foundational because we we're all going to make mistakes and have those moments of overwhelm. And I was telling her that my six-year-old loves repair and that I almost sometimes feel like she'll, you know, create a situation so that we can repair afterwards. <laughs> and, you know, I, she, like she initiates it often before I even have the chance to, you know, she initiates it five minutes later, two minutes later, and just loves going through that process. I had recently what for me was a pretty profound realization, which was that my dad treated me unfairly a lot as a kid, his own nervous system dysregulation and just like complete inability to be present whenever me or my sister had any sort of emotions. And um, our mom worked nights. So we would just, you know, be alone with him in the evening times. And especially when we were little, we were like emotionally vulnerable and our mom was so loving and present and he was just kind of the opposite. And it was like a real, I don't know, inner child reparenting work when I I just realized like 
yeah, he was wrong. He was mean. He was unfair. And my little child self was right to be angry and was right to know this is unjust. This is wrong. This is illogical. This is immoral. (laughs) This is mean. And he never repaired. You know, I, I think he knew, especially when his when his anger would abate. I think he knew that what he had done was not kind or loving, but he would never admit wrongdoing. And even just through this conversation, some of the things you've said about like slowing down and, and trauma healing, I'm like, oh, that's that thing on the right side of my body, like goes back to to him and this armory and then repair is so important. And okay, I'm going to, one last time, I'm going to read your words to you and then make one more comment and then ask you to tell us about your offering maternal and how else people can connect with you and work with you. So you recently wrote that any success of a woman that diminishes or declines her fertility in the process cannot be truly feminist in nature. All over the world, there are women discovering that the price of their achievements has been their fertility and hormonal health. Entire facets of modern culture have been founded on the misappropriation of the feminine body. Women have been deeply misled as to what thriving looks like, and it's becoming very evident in our overall health, ability to conceive, experiences of motherhood, and even transitions into menopause. This is why when you choose to eat according to your biological design, you are not only changing yourself, you are changing culture. Each step towards nourishment flows through your cells into future generations. As you move throughout your day, keep this in your memory. What you are doing is much bigger than you. So I'm tying that into repair and that when we are nourished and metabolically sound, we can admit mistakes. We can step into repair with our children. We can be more present. We can be less overwhelmed in our nervous systems. And this this has extreme consequences for future generations either way. And I will just say one last thing too, which is that anyone listening who is not a mother or thinks they don't want to be a mother you know, your, your fertility is your health. It does not matter if you don't wish to conceive or don't wish to conceive again. The state of your fertility and your hormones is a deep mirror into your overall health. I like what you said about the ability to repair in a metabolically healthy state and that nutrition and nourishment have such a big role to play in our ability to show up that way for our children. And actually, that's intergenerational. So when you're talking about the repair that you're able to have with your daughter and how in some ways it's interesting that the nourishment piece that's come online for you in such a big way this year is bringing that full circle healing into your consciousness. And that's what I see every single day in terms of how nourishment informs our ability to be in emotional spaces that provide us with healing and to seek those out as a structure around us. Like what what we are seeking changes by what we are receiving into our bodies. And those two dance together in a really intimate way. And when we're able to love ourselves 
through our choices. Every time you are taking something into your body, you're making space for yourself. You're giving yourself in your system the message that I matter, which is what you're talking about in terms of the childhood recognition of that wasn't fair is another version of I matter. I matter a lot and I matter enough that I'm going to chew my food. (laughs) I matter enough for me to live in a relaxed way. I matter enough that I deserve to receive abundance for my efforts, for my time, and actually just for being myself in my body. And I matter enough that I can have this healing and expansive relationship with my children so that I may pass on that generational imprint to their children and the children beyond. So you're stewarding your generational future and what they will regard as their history by just doing those simple things every single day in your system. So I like that you brought the repair part into that because I think we're repairing ourselves and we're repairing ourselves and we're repairing our future generations before they've even been been here. And that's what's so profound about it to me. Mm, Thank you. I've had so many profound perceptual shifts throughout this conversation. And I can imagine how powerful it is for women who work with you. So yeah, what, what do you offer and how can women be in your inner circle? Right now I have, I believe one space open for one-on-one work that's coming up shortly. And I take women on a six month and beyond space either in the realms of bioenergetic nutrition and psychology, everything we've been speaking about, but also in regards to maternal ministry. So if you want to become a mother, you're nervous to become a mother, or you're just not in the space where you're mothering in the way that you know is true and rightful for you, then that would be something that we could cover over six months and beyond together. And then I also have a program beginning at the end of February called Maternal, and that's a group intimate experience with live calls and Q&A opportunities, as well as resources within an inner community, and that lasts for 11 weeks. And really what I want for that program is to have women there who want to learn more about embodying the archetype of mother. This may be that you feel that you need more mothering or you feel that you need to examine the mother wound or your mother line in a mineral sense, in a nutritional sense, or perhaps you're expanding into a new version of motherhood, expanding your family into more children, or just learning to hold the position and title of mother in a new way. All of those things are welcome in that program and we'll journey together for the 11 weeks. It's going to be really amazing. And that's an energetic offering. So you'll know if that's for you because you'll just say, yes, the time of returning to mother, returning mothers to themselves, returning me to myself, this is the time for me to do that. And it will land in your system as such. And then I also have a course coming out that's self-paced. It'll probably be released between the spring and summer sometime, hopefully closer to the spring. And it's called Eat to Go Deep. 
I don't know of any other program that combines the things that are in that course. It's huge and it's required so much of me to put it together. I'm so happy to be able to put it out there. I'm almost like sitting on my hands because I'd really love to do it now, but there's so many things that I'm putting in there that I'm just so excited that are happening. And I want to take the time to really do it in a spacious way so that it's, that it's really comprehensive. And that course will have a community attached to it, but it'll be a self-paced course. And it's really focused on supporting your physiology, your bioenergetic health through nutrition and other things that we've spoken about so that you can make these deep psychological changes and perhaps repatterning trauma and seeking healing. It's a preparatory course for deep work, you know, whether it be you're wanting to embark on a year's worth of pelvic work with a practitioner, or you're wanting to do some breath work, or you're wanting to dive into healing your childhood, what does it look like for you to put together a structure for yourself in a nourishment sense so that you can receive those changes into your system in a lasting way? So I created this course out of what I actually needed that I gave to myself that there was no guide for anywhere else. And that's what was the beginning and birth of it. And now it's turning into an offering that I'll be putting out into the world. Amazing. I love it. (laughs) I can't wait. Uh, Just thank you so much, Nisia, for taking the time today. I, I don't remember if I told you or not, but this is the 100th medicine stories episode and you know as this has approached i knew that i just wanted it to be a really special one and to sort of encompass so much of what is important to me with this podcast and also to just get into like the depths the deepest depths of what it means to be human and as soon as i found you i was like this is it. Nisia is 100. So thank you for marking this occasion with me. And thank you for all of your life-changing wisdom. Well, thank you so much. I didn't know it was 100. So that's really special. And I appreciate you hosting me graciously. And just, I appreciate your receptivity to these concepts and ideas. I think it's often overlooked how important that is that women receive and then put out into the world the things that are really impacting and changing them you know we're like ripple effects like a tide and we touch each other that way and so you have this incredible platform and such a way about you that can access or be accessible to so many human beings so I really appreciate you bringing me along for that thank you I hope you are in an expanded state of mind, as I always am when taking in Nisia's words. If you are interested in joining her maternal program that begins on February 20th, the coupon code is MEDICINE. Go ahead and use it. The link to register for maternal will be in the show notes, which you can find If you scroll down from wherever you pushed play on this podcast, 
when Eat to Go Deep is released. I will be publishing a coupon code for that at Patreon. Patreon.com slash medicine stories is where you can hear our extended conversation. It's just it's what you just heard, but just more of it. It's just so profound. And my recording of my stories of motherhood and nourishment. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you're interested in a possible retreat with me later this year, click that link in the show notes as well. It'll be up for about a week. And I'm going to leave you now with a little clip from Nisia speaking at the Patreon bonus, also linked in the show notes. All right. Thank you. Even something like being able to eat food that your grandmother ate or her mother ate. I think we we bypass the profound impact that that can have, especially on a woman, because we inherit energy from our maternal line. Men do as well, but there's something really special about the imprint of mother that has an energy or an essence of embodiment that is passed down to us and from our maternal line grandmother and great grandmother, along with the minerals that run that level of energy and embodiment. Thank you for taking these medicine stories in. I hope they inspire you to keep walking the mythic path of your own unfolding self. I love sharing information and always put any relevant links in the show notes, which you can find by just scrolling down from wherever you pushed play on this episode. You can find all past episodes and our handmade herbal medicine at mythicmedicine.love. We've got reishi, lion's mane, elderberry, St. John's wort, mugwort, yarrow, redwood. We've got body oils, sleep medicine, heart medicine, earth essences, and more. While you're there, be sure to check out our fun quiz, which healing herb is your spirit medicine? It's lighthearted, but the results are really in-depth and designed to bring you into closer alignment with both the medicine that you're in need of and the medicine that you already carry and can bring to others. If you love the show, please consider supporting it at patreon.com slash medicine stories. It is so worth your time. There are dozens and dozens of killer bonuses there, ebooks, bonus conversations, uh, guided meditations, giveaways, resource guides, links to online learning, coupon codes, behind the scenes stuff. And the best of it is available at the $5 a month level. And it literally makes the show possible. You can also subscribe or follow. Uh, depending on which podcast app you prefer. The music that opens the show is by Marie Sue from her beautiful song, Wild Eyes. That's M-A-R-I-E-E-S-I-O-U. Thank you, my beautiful friend Marie. And thank you for listening. I look forward to next time. Mm-hmm.